0: Welcome to Change and Sustain, where we discuss driving sustainable change in your organization through enabling people, process, systems, and technology. Today, we're focusing on systems, how to ensure your strategy is tightly woven into your execution fabric to deliver results. So I thought we'd start off today, Brian, with a bit of a quote from Larry Bossidy. He wrote a book called Execution the discipline of getting things done. We're all about getting things done. And he had a a good quote. He said, execution has to be part of a company's strategy and its goals. It is the missing link between aspirations and results. As such, it is a major, indeed the major job of a business leader. If you don't know how to execute, the whole of your effort as a leader will always be less than the sum of its parts. And Brian, we we go into a lot of organizations, and they're never usually short of having a good strategy. It's generally well thought through. But the reason we get called in is because the strategy isn't turning into actual results. and And they're quite frustrated because they've communicated it. They've planned it, they've enrolled people in understanding it, but it's the, the rubber's not hitting the road. So I know our audience will be gasping to understand, Brian, what do you make of this and how can we solve this problem? It's a fantastically common
1: issue that you've described here where we've got some very bright folks in the, in the host organisation who have sweated and bled and thought through what we need to do as an organisation – Come up with that strategy, and then just can't see it arrive, if you like, to full fruition on the shop floor, as it were. So, first of all, if that's if that's describing you, please don't feel bad in any way because you're in good company. I think we we've seen this in a, in the almost the vast majority of the organisations that we've dealt with. And as Larry Bossidy's been writing about it right there, you know, there
0: are books written on how to get yourself out of that situation. As as we were preparing for the podcast, we we were doing some research, and there's been a lot of research done on this. And one that I found very enlightening was a survey that was published in the Harvard Business Review, is by a gentleman called Donald Sull, S-U-L-L, and he surveyed 8,000 managers in more than 250 companies to try and understand you know, what are they dealing with in terms of strategic priorities? And a couple of things leapt out at me. So first of all, 51% said that they can get resources outside of their strategic projects. So they're, they're, they're able to, to take that talent and put it on things they think as important, but it's not necessarily connected to the strategic imperatives. And Consequently, 11% said they can't get the resources they need for their strategic projects because they're working on the wrong things and this was the one that really blew me away only 55 percent, just over half of middle managers can name even one of their company's top five priorities so that was quite damning in that people aren't working on the right things they are not using their resources to focus on those strategic priorities so what what do you make of those findings, Brian? Isn't it amazing to hear those statistics? And
1: if you're you're thinking to yourself, well, you know that's that's not us, that's not our organization. The, the acid test for my mind, anyway, is to walk out onto the shop floor at random and pick a random person, the first person you find, and ask them, "Okay, what are our strategic priorities?" That might be the canteen cook that you're talking about, but shouldn't they know? And it might be a supervisor, shouldn't they know? It might be a middle manager, shouldn't they know? All of those folks should understand where you're going as an organization su- such that they can devote their effort to the things that are going to make you successful. So When I hear things like that, you know, 55% of managers, only 55% of managers can name those priorities. That's a very simple step that we've missed right at the beginning,
0: don't you think? I do. I think that that's communication. And it clearly must have been communicated at some point, but one of the things that we're very big on is having the management operating system you remember in the beginning I said this this while we're talking about people and issues the, the 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 fabric the systems the discipline this episode is about the systems that glue those things together and systems should reinforce magnify and iterate so yeah it might be communicated at the start of the year at the kickoff meeting but if you're not celebrating that purpose every day and reminding people every day people get lost in the weeds. Well you say that strategy is the allocation of resources so your
1: resources need to know what to do how do you tell them that well early and often is is often heard yes and you see lots of organisations that will go a step further they'll take their their strategies their strategic vision whatever it might be They'll write it out in some nice sentences and they'll put it in all their boardrooms. They'll, they'll hang it up on the wall in key rooms around the place so that auditors, when they come in, see how great they are at strategic imperatives, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Okay, but I will still go back to the ACID test, which is if you pull the person at random in the corridor, will they be able to quote it back? And will they be able to understand it, which is another, which is another key? For understanding, I might go to the length of translating that strategy as closely as I possible, possibly can into some metrics such that you could actually define the needle and see if the needle is moving. So you might imagine, okay, we're gonna we're gonna try and reduce cost, for instance, as a strategic imperative. So how are you defining that for people? Is that expense costs, is that lease operating expense costs in the in the oil and gas industry, which which particular set of costs are you allocating this this goal to and do you have a goal do you actually define for people when we get to this level of cost per month or per quarter or whatever it might be then we have done what we set out to do if you've not turned it into a metric
0: and you're not measuring it it isn't real for folks on the shop floor i love that. i love that brian because you know strategy lives at the level of words in the boardroom but life happens at the level of events and if you can't articulate what that strategy means for somebody in their day-to-day job how how are they supposed to reflect on it how are they supposed to act on it how are they supposed to give it meaning and one of the malaises we see often when we go into organizations is something that we call the initiative du jour Right, okay. Management have come up with a new program. It'll blow over. If I just keep my head down and do what I've always been doing, you know, it'll blow over until the next leader comes in, the next manager or the next initiative. You've you've seen that phenomenon, Brian, right? Oh, I've seen yeah, absolutely, many, many times. It's it's often
1: pretty bright folks who take that approach. They, okay, let's let's just see if management is serious. If I sit and do nothing, what is the consequence? Because they found that as they've sort of overloaded with initiatives from various plant managers or leaders, whatever it might be, over the years, if they were late to the party and didn't quite do anything, that there was no consequence for that. At the end of the day, doing nothing did not get them fired, didn't get them reprimanded, didn't get them a less of a Christmas bonus, whatever it might be. Nothing happened. There was no consequence to not jumping on the train. So it's one of those things that you as a leader have got to think through is when people do what you are asking them to do, how do they get rewarded and recognized? And when people don't do what you're asking them to do, what is the consequence of noncompliance? Leaders don't like to think that way. They don't like to think of negative consequences or any kind of consequences at the end of the day. But it is what the folks in the trenches are thinking about. How's this going to help me or hurt me?
0: Yeah, they, they, they're very fearful. Change is always very scary for people, and so if they can avoid it. They know how to do their job. They've been doing it that way for a while. It delivers a certain level of results, and I don't want to risk doing something different for fear of messing up. So they want to wait and see if somebody else does it, and if it works, they might jump on that bandwagon e- eventually. And that's not going to help you execute your program's sufficient speed or sufficient scale. So you've got to take the fear out of the equation yes there may be negative consequences but you want to encourage them get them to aspire to reach to change to adapt to go forward with with encouragement it requires day-to-day iteration otherwise you know the tyranny of the urgent comes in and i've got these fires to put out we talked about firefighters in an earlier podcast and the strategic change we're looking for goes out of the window You may have heard us talk about this thing
1: called the resistance avoidance model. I use this on almost every single project that I lead or manage. The basic premise of the model is this, you're going to have something like 10% of your organization who are going to jump on the kind of change that you want to imbue. These are the folks who are the, the enthusiasts, if you like, who are going to join you in the battle. You've got at the other end of the distribution the other 10% who are never going to join you, the naysayers, the guys who are going to find 50 reasons why this is not going to work. And you've got the bulk of folks sitting in the middle watching where your attention goes. So if your attention turns to the negative, if your attention turns to all the naysayers, well, you're teaching everybody in your organization that if I want to get attention and recognition, that's what I need to do. But if your attention turns to the positive, all the folks who are actually out there fighting the fight, um, making those quick wins, getting stuff done, folks will drift in that direction. So that's what you've got to do, is define for everybody what success looks like that's connected to your strategy in the first place, and then reward the folks who are actually delivering the stuff that meets those strategic imperatives, whilst helping everybody understand that this is how they can join that bandwagon, if you like. I'm not saying that you completely ignore those folks at the other end of the distribution, because there has to be some consequence for non-compliance, if you like. But I don't mean that you lead with that. I shouldn't be top of the town newspaper, if you like. Focus your
0: attention on the good. I like the word reward, Brian. We're not talking about necessarily a monetary compensation, but a celebration of victory, a public... You know, presentation or award, you know, people want recognition. They want to be given a medal, if you will. That's why we have medals in our, you know, armed forces, because people will die for a medal because it's important to them. So people, if you celebrate those things, it doesn't cost you a lot of money. As you said, it's a bit of attention. Leadership are paying attention to these things, rewarding people, and that has a huge amplifying effect on your ability to, you know, execute.
1: Yeah, this has been studied and we know the difference in attitudes people have between financial reward and recognition. So, you know, somebody buying me a pizza, you know, the boss buying a pizza, bringing it down to where I work and serving it to me and saying, Hey, well done. Gathering a little crowd, taking a photograph, that costs the price of the pizza but it's worth so much more to the individuals who are receiving than, you know, here's 250 bucks in your next paycheck, which will be gone the next day and forgotten the day after, if you like. So not so much worrying about that that little reward in terms of financials. It's the recognition, if you like, which is far more powerful, we have found.
0: Mm -hmm. One of the things that we also experience is... (laughs) You know, people will come together in meetings and everybody will rah-rah and, and be in massive agreement and then they leave and you get that passive-aggressive resistance. How do we counsel our clients to deal with that, Brian?
1: Well, there's always going to be a certain amount of that, if you like. There are some bright folks in the organization who, again, are waiting to see where attention goes and also want to make sure that they're not putting any effort into something which won't be rewarded or is just, as you said before, the initiative du jour. They're going to they're test that a little bit. So we need to help them understand that we are following up on a regular basis, for instance. So if we ask somebody to do something and then we don't follow up, they are not going to think that was a serious request. The next request is just going to be ignored, and that's something that they, they feel may be a win. I tested the system, I tested the man, and I won, because I didn't have to do anything, if you like. But if there is definite follow-up, I asked you to do this, how are you getting along, and how can I help, etc., etc. Okay, now somebody's serious. They're really asking for it. They're really following up. I'm really going to have to decide that I'm actually going to get onto this bus and do what you asked me to do, or I'm going to have to resist openly. And that's okay, if you've got a better idea it's not okay if you don't but that's the discussion itself is a worthy discussion is it not if we're talking about how to do something rather than what to do that's a worthy
0: discussion it is it is and, and it shows you've got engagement if people are prepared to put their opinions forward and, and debate with you but at some point you've got to come to some universal agreement an action plan and as you say brian the critical thing is and we see this all the time is People put these things into place and they don't follow up. And it's that follow-up that reinforces. It's that attention. It's that articulation in their language. This was your action in your department, in your area. Very clear. Where are we with it? If you're struggling, how can we help you? What resources do you need? What barriers are you experiencing? How can we help you move forward? It's, It's the discipline of execution.
1: Absolutely. You've got to communicate to everybody what it is that you're asking them to do. Break that into metrics if you can so that you can actually measure how folks are doing. Follow up. If you've asked people to do things, make sure that you're checking to make sure they're done. Make sure you understand the consequences of non-compliance. And also make sure that you're rewarding and bringing attention to the folks who are doing you're asking them to do if you do all of those things you're well on the road
0: well thanks brian and thank you for listening to us today you can learn more at audairpartners.com. we have more episodes coming up looking at similar topics so why not click the follow button to be the first to hear about them also if you like this podcast leave a rating wherever you listen to your podcast it helps other people find us too